Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. All righty, everyone. Welcome back to the Stay Grounded podcast. My name is Raj Jana, and I'm your host. Today, I've got a very special guest. God, I am blown away by this this one man and, and everything he's done, from overcoming drug addiction to uh, fighting overseas to exploring some of the most hostile and awe-inspiring environments around the planet. Um, Akshay has done it all. Uh, so without further ado, Akshay Nanavati. Uh, how are you, my friend? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm doing great. Really, really happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to have you as well. Um, so just to give everyone a little bit of context, I'm going to let Akshay run in and, and tell us a little bit more about his life. But um, Akshay, is uh, he just finished writing a book called Fearvana. Fearvana, the revolutionary science of how to turn fear into health, wealth, and happiness. And if that title isn't epic enough, um, <laughs> you know, the man is twice as that. So um, as, as I mentioned, I would love to, uh, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce Akshay. Akshay, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? And, uh, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'll kind of share a little bit about my journey and what brought me to this concept of Firvana and now everything I'm doing with it. Um, so as you, you know, you mentioned, I overcame this kind of the journey into the exploring fear and, and, and embracing it. it began in high school when I overcame drug addiction. For about a year and a half, I squandered away my life. I lost two friends to drug addiction. I was very much headed down that path too. I thankfully got out. I joined the Marines. I did six years in the Marines. I did one tour in Iraq. And in the Marines is where I started to find the value in pushing my limitations and really exploring them. So I got into outdoor sports big time. I went rock climbing, mountain climbing, cave diving, ice diving. I mean, you you name it. I did all of it, skydiving, kind of everything. And uh, But then, you know, then I went to Iraq in 2007. And I came back, and soon after that, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Then I struggled with alcohol for a long time until I reached to the brink of suicide. I mean, I woke up once after a five-day binge drinking session just thinking that there was no point going on. And getting out of that phase, I spent, when I hit that low moment, I realized something clearly needed to change. So I began researching neuroscience, psychology, spirituality, because I didn't like the way I was getting outside treatment. A lot of what people were saying about post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress disorder, and those kind of things. So I was trying to figure it out myself. And that search led me to this idea of Fearvana. And it sort of had been validated by everything else I was doing in my life, but now it was crystallized by giving it a name and having some clarity to the concept. So writing the book was a way for me to enhance my own learnings because it forces you to you know to, to learn the concept better to put it in a structured format and and allow me to also share with others so ultimately we can all live a happier and more meaningful life that's brilliant man and you said a lot of, of stuff in, in in that little bio about how you came here and so i would love to really start exploring you know like how did you come from this space like you said you had a moment where you just realized you needed to change mm-hmm. um can you describe that time period and sure. and 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 what that time period was like and and, and how you sort of catalyze yourself to start making a change. I think yeah. a lot of people, you know, when they have these big ideas and these big concepts come to them, it's almost just stays a concept. But 
you've so brilliantly turned this into almost a movement, a movement of positivity and growth. And so I, I, do you have any insights on that? Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, behavior change is extremely hard. Uh, creating sustainable behavior change is very, very hard. But it's, and in my research, I'll share about the research, but just in my own life, what initially happened when I got out of that drug phase, it was actually watching this movie Black Hawk Down. Have you ever seen it? Yes, I have. It's a very, very powerful war movie. It's based on a true story. And uh, it, is, it triggered something in me that, you know, the, what kind of courage does it take for people to do something like that, to sacrifice their, their well-being, ultimately even their lives for their fellow human beings? And that, and that sort of triggered something in me. So I remember after watching the movie, I read the book. And then I started reading book after book on military and combat and serving in, some, in an institution where the good of the group matters more than the good of the individual. And, uh, and I immediately questioned the sort of selfish, meaningless existence I was living. And that, I almost overnight stopped doing drugs completely, uh, changed my path, um, and decided to join the Marines. And even joining the Marines was hard because I had two doctors tell me that boot camp would kill me because of a blood disorder I was born with. So I had to kind of fight my way into the Marines. It took me a year and a half to get all these medical waivers to see another doctor and that kind of thing. And so that was the one big change to coming out of this really dark moment in my life. The second was when I hit that low moment when I considered taking my own life. That was oh, wow. shocking to me that I would even think that. This was years later after the war. And it, it just horrified me that I would consider doing that even even if only for an, a second you know and yeah, so that great. was that was a trigger for me for for change so pain is a very strong motivator for behavior change and it's something i think we need to embrace because we often say okay we need to move on past that but like i don't want to move on past that i actually want to remember that moment when i was on my couch every single day you know because it's good to hold on to that to then get out i'm not saying we should not have a, a goal to work towards of course we should we should have sort of the the desire for pleasure to seek it as you know seeking that as well but it's important to hold on to that pain and having these spark moments creating these triggered these trigger moments like watching black hawk down you know for me it was that was a spark moment even what got me in ultra running for example when i was in Iraq, I read this book, Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Carnassus. That got me ultra, into ultra running. And there's been tons of research that's shown. In fact, this got a great book called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, one of the books I read in my research. He talks about that in, in his learning of mastery and peak performance in various endeavors, it often starts with the moment he calls ignition. I like to call a spark moment, which is essentially something from the outside world that triggers something that within us to say, okay, this is now what I want to pursue, or this is what I want to create a behavior change. And when I learned about this, what I started doing was consciously seeking out spark moments. Moments. So like, for example, I followed this runner, Killian Jornet, who recently ran up Everest in 17 hours. So these become spark moments for me to shift my own desire on what's possible in my life and what I can accomplish. Now that I know that many of these previous spark moments came to me, you know, sort of just subconsciously or came to me. Now I'm constantly seeking them out so I can achieve that next level of my own growth. I think that's brilliant. And, and I want to, I want to dive in deeper on that. Mm -hmm. So how do you cultivate a practice of, of, of consistently having spark moments? Like what did you do to, to start having, what did you do to first be, be more aware? Cause I think a lot of spark moments, you don't really know where it comes from, but yep. it happens. And it's, and it's a lot of it's just being aware of it happening. But then secondly, how did you develop a routine or a mindset or even a practice, mm -hmm. if you have one, of how to consistently start having more spark moments in your life? So one thing is getting clear on what is what I like to call your worthy struggle. So the way I define fearvana is it's the bliss that results from engaging our fears to pursue our own worthy struggle. And our own worthy struggle can be anything. It can be hosting a podcast, starting a coffee company, raising a child, running a marathon, whatever it may be, right? But when you find that worthy struggle, then the spark, the, the, so the spark moments can help trigger your worthy, worthy struggle in the sense of like, again, reading Ultra Marathon Man got me in ultra running. And then they can also fuel that struggle. So for example, once I was pretty 
clear. I wanted to start a business and adventure and fitness is a big thing for me. Then I'm now seeking them out in that, in those categories, right? So for not everybody's going to want to look at an ultra runner who runs up Everest in 17 hours. And that's cool. That's not your specific spark moment, right? But for whatever, if you know your worthy struggle, seek that out. So if it is entrepreneurship, follow entrepreneurs. Like I, I, this is where, again, I'm not a giant fan of social media has a lot of negatives, but this is where social media can be really positive. You know, follow entrepreneurs on Instagram. Like I love Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, following him on Instagram. He has a lot of inspiring things to say that really keep me grounded, keep me motivated in building my business. I follow obviously the ultra runners, adventure athletes. So really surrounding yourself with these references everywhere around you. I mean, stay obsessed on your path, you know, is, is like, I mean, I have vision boards. I have posters in my gym. If before going for a run, I'll watch a YouTube clip of these runners. A great technique, a simple practice is listening to music is a very powerful trigger to, to build you into, into this right frame of mind as well. So one, one, one sort of actionable practice here, this is not specifically related to spark moment, but it's one that can translate a spark moment to actionable steps is, um, Every time before I go for a run, what I used to do, because running was my peaceful activity, I would play one particular song. And, uh, and then what I, after about a week or two of doing this, I would start playing that song before, let's say, something harder for me. So writing was actually much more challenging for me. I would start playing the song before writing. But now my brain learns to associate that song with like go mode, right? So every time that song comes on, my brain says it's go time. And uh, so using these triggers everywhere to ultimately cultivate and harness your spark moment onto your path, onto your worthy struggle. And if you don't know what that worthy struggle is to begin with, if you're still figuring that out, a good way to start is to start looking at what you don't want in your life. Like, let's say you're completely lost. I didn't actually know my path. You know, I wasn't one of those kids who knew it at a young age. I figured it out through a lot of a series of experimentations. You're definitely going to have to experiment a bit if you don't know. But one thing is to get clear on what do you not want your lifestyle to look like? And then get clear on what do you, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? What is important to you? Some people, you know, not everybody has to be an entrepreneur. Some people don't want that frame. They want this, the structure of a corporate job. So when you get clear on those two elements, then you can find quote unquote jobs within those two that, that meet that criteria for my lifestyle and work backwards from there. So start for the sort of the lifestyle desire, work backwards from there. And then once you find it, when I put quote unquote job, because it could be like mountain climbing, which is not a job per se, but that could ultimately be the path you choose. Then you can start pursuing spark moments in that category. So I do spark moments for ultra running all the time. That's what got me into some big, crazy ultra running adventures that I now I'm embarking upon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. That's, that's brilliant advice. So just to summarize from my own understanding, sure. to cultivate a practice of having more spark moments that are related to your own life's purpose, you, you start to study and, and surround yourself with people who are already spearheading the way within whatever path you choose um, in different avenues, which then surrounds you with this energy, which allows spark moments to come more naturally. Is that, is that a fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It also like primes the brain to, to keep you on that path. I really think we need to all stay obsessed on whatever we want to pursue, you know, like stay obsessed on it, let it immerse you, let it immerse, like encompass your mind, body, soul. And inevitably you'll start noticing more spark moments. You'll start being aware when they hit you and saying, this is okay. This is where you can direct my worthy struggle. Right. So let me ask you this. Do, do your spark moments, are, are they synonymous with happiness? Are they more along the lines of, of something that just drives you to achieve? 
I think I think it's a combination. I think that you know the spark moment triggers the struggle that is then ultimately the path to happiness. You know, because happiness is in the pursuit of a meaningful challenge. It's not mm. this. And the biggest mistake when it comes to happiness is that we live in a world that has us think happiness is this end result. So I'll be happy when I get the car, when I get the house, when I get the relationship, when I finish the marathon. It's not you know whatever it may be. But that's not how happiness works. It doesn't matter how far you go. It doesn't matter what you achieve. There will always be a new struggle to to work toward. Right. And, if, and if you don't seek out a struggle, struggle will find you anyway. It's inevitable. I mean, we see successful people all the time struggling with all kinds of issues, right? So the challenge is, is finding happiness is in, the, is in the pursuit of a meaningful challenge. And when you shift your thinking on happiness, it allows you to embrace the process. Of course, you still experience lows because it's, life is hard, <laughs> but, it's, but it'll, it'll allow you to realize that I'm not seeking happiness as its destination. That happiness is the here and now. I love that. Um, really, I mean, when we were starting our coffee company, we had an, I had an experience. I had a mentor who worked 37 years for the same company. Yeah. And uh, he was always pushing off his happiness to retirement, thinking that it would come once he retired. Well, um, he three months before retirement, he had a heart attack and died. Oh, which sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a defining moment for, and the point I'm saying that I guess I'm, yeah. I'm resonating a lot with what you're saying. It's, you're- it's the process of enjoying and the process of, of just making the most of what you're doing now and embracing the struggle, embracing mm-hmm. the process, mm-hmm. not fighting it, mm-hmm. um, and allowing that to fuel your happiness, which is what I think you've so brilliantly encompassed in this concept of Firvana and, 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 and using these, these spark moments and these worthy struggles as, as almost like beacons of, of, of like a North Star almost, mm-hmm. which, which I think is, is, is a brilliant way to look at life. So let me ask you this. So like, what is your, what is your daily routine look like? Um, in, in, in just a, a regular day, uh, you know, barring any travel, I know you're doing a ton of like <laughs> traveling right now for the book, but, yeah. um, you know, barring any travel in, in your purpose, what, what does your routine look like? Sure. So yeah, so barring all the craziness when it's going to be consistent in the game, the idea with building routine, and I'll share, I'll share specifics, but I'm, okay, I want to share the larger concept here is, is that you want to remove thinking from the process. So every time you make a decision, it's called decision fatigue. You're essentially using cognitive energy, conscious energy, and that will drain by the end of the day. But will, so willpower and conscious energy is also this beautiful limitless thing when it's channeled towards one specific focus. So you want to find a specific area where you can engage your will but remove the remove the necessity and the engagement of it in all other areas. So here's how I do that. And here's how you strategically do that. So for example, I have my phone right here with me. And this is where, again, smartphones can be useful. I have an app called to Todoist. And what I do to remove thinking is I have things listed on there for everything I need to do. So if I'm morning ritual, I wake up and it says prayer, meditate, play wake up music, 25 pushups, brush teeth, review goals, uh, detail plan for the day, watch something motivating. So all I do is when I wake up, I don't have to think about what to do. Even like brush teeth you saw is on there. I mean, that could be something, yeah, obviously you don't have to think about. But I want to remove everything. I just follow the list, then I go on. And the night before, I've already planned what are top five steps, top five things to do for that day. And the way I then structure my day is essentially what I've also tried to recreate is the simplicity of life in these intense, hostile environments like the Marines crossing Greenland and all these kind of these experiences where life was simple, beautiful, and, and it was easy to not get confused with decision fatigue because you know exactly what to do. To do every time you have to wake up, right? Here's your mission and your men. That's all that matters. Um, so now, what I do is in my structured format of work is I work in about one hour to one hour, ten minute shifts. 
And then I take a 10 minute break and I do two of these shifts and then I take a longer break. And then, and, and so, and, and during the shift, I already know what I'm doing during each shift, right? Because I right. planned out the night yep. before and I'm obviously doing one thing. So you can start maybe doing 20, I know the Pomodoro technique says 25 minutes and five minutes breaks. I didn't like that. That was too short a work shift for me. Uh, so I set this and I actually set a timer on my phone. So one hour, sometimes I do, depending like if it's writing, I'll maybe do an hour 10 and, and if it, you know, if I'm, if I notice and burned out an after hour, I'll give myself that flexibility. But then even I have a list on my phone here in this thing called work break activities. So comedy skits, fun music, playing with my puppy, useless chat with friends or family. An extra long break would be maybe watching like a comedy show. So I'll, so sometimes for me during the break, I like to get uh, uh, the dopamine going so to laugh a little bit. So I'll watch maybe like Louis C.K. or one skit or like nice, Bill Burr or yeah. something like that, right? Just, uh, you know, maybe stretch, walk around for a little bit. And then I, that's what I do. I have these work break things, these work... Uh, uh, things to organize. And then I get into a next shift. And then during that time, there's always one thing, you know, during the day where I'm engaging my will, it can either be in the shift of work that I'm doing for business, or often it's exercise. I mean, exercise is an absolute must in terms of uh, a routine. Completely agree. Or yep. not just for me, I think everybody should have exercise within their at least, you know, five to, if not, like I do it about six to seven, but you know, four to five, whatever it's uh, it's game changing. It's neuro, you know, neuroscience has also shown the huge effect it has on brain, on our brain's ability to learn and, and to rewire itself and to make our brain stronger essentially. But it's just, invaluable for the mind body spirit as well so it's a beautiful way to ex- to practice uh, engaging your will because when you suffer through exercise you develop confidence a whole new way in yourself that can translate to other areas of your life as well that's brilliant i, I love how you're so dialed into your to your routines throughout the day and i think it's important to bring awareness to the fact that you're not working 24 7 you, you, you make time for forced breaks throughout the day to allow yourself to keep the engine moving. And it's almost like yeah. fuel for yourself. It's uh, essential. I noticed that when I was writing that eventually, because this is, has been developed through systems of what's working, what's wrong. I mean, this has been a lot of experimentation to figure out some of these systems. Um, but yeah, do you see when I was writing the book, I mean, sometimes just if I would just go and go, I would notice the productivity waning, like uh, uh, the, the, con- the, the quality of the writing falling apart and everything just kind of falling that led me to say okay i gotta take some time off and you know after was writing then i would just walk around the house sometimes it's as simple as that you know getting a little break stretching get your mind off it and then you can come back stronger yeah absolutely man i i I think it's i think it's brilliant so let me ask you this how um you know for for me at least you know a big part of my daily routine and and something that allows me to stay fueled through either fulfillment or happiness is gratitude um, gratitude plays a really big part in my own life and my own routines. Mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of part does it play in your routines? And do you have any insights to share on 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 the you know just how gratitude plays a role in your life? Mm-hmm. It's something I've recently started to cultivate more because I always felt like if I'm too grateful for what I have, then I won't it'll maybe lose my drive. But I don't think the two are yeah. mutually exclusive, right? I think you can have both. Like you can have gratitude and still have drive. And I'm kind of recently been more figuring figuring this out a little bit more. Again, we're constantly learning and growing, right? So, but for me, see, the problem with sometimes with these gratitude practices, and you know, there's been plenty of research to show the value in it. So I believe in it, but the, the, the problem it can become sort of like just, oh, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful with, but I feel like unless you're truly feeling it, not just saying, okay, I'm grateful for, you know, my family's in town. I'm grateful for the nice weather outside. Yeah. You gotta, I feel like there has to be, and that's what I noticed is that it just became this, this meaningless thing that I'm just kind of saying. So now I do include it in my nighttime ritual and, and I often do it like the last thing before I sleep. And I, when I doing that, I'm really wanting to feel it, you know, like really feel it. And I think when you do that, right. 
it allows you to pause and celebrate the wins. Because one thing I've been very bad about is often is I, I'm not nearly as bad as I used to be, but I was, I was the kind of person, if I ran five miles, I'd beat myself up for not going seven. If I go seven, beat myself up for not going 10. And that's a vicious cycle of unhappiness and misery. <laughs> yeah. That right. Because there's yeah. no, there's no winning. So I noticed that about myself and I'm not like, I'm much better. I don't do that anymore. Like after my run, I'll be celebrate my wins a little bit, you know, and be grateful for, for them. But there's definitely that pattern is there a little bit, uh, for sure. So I'm working on changing that up a little bit. And gratitude, I think is huge in that it allows you to celebrate what you do have and not just keep focusing on the next thing. Because again, that's a, that's a, like a grind if that's if, uh, ultimately like you know we have the moment also and yes there's these struggles to work towards but the moment is beautiful and allowing yourself to acknowledge and embrace that i think a lot of people um are almost scared so like like you mentioned to yourself you know like you always felt like if i felt grateful then i wouldn't work as hard and you yeah. lose your edge because i've yeah. definitely felt that myself yeah and so like how do you how did you change your mindset around that i mean how did you how did you begin to start seeing gratitude as something that was almost like like a like something that helped you more than it did hurt you? I think I noticed it when I was when I was living like like okay I had this drive and I was you know working hard doing a lot of things that were cool but I noticed that I wasn't enjoying the process a lot like even after the marketing of the book too so I finished writing it now and then the marketing of it I was just constantly like focused on okay I gotta hit the sales stuff hit the New York Times list and then it's like and then I was like what am I doing if I'm constantly living this sort of miserable grind then after that there'll be another goal because of course I'm gonna have another goal I'm to work towards and you know I have the ambition but let me pause to celebrate a win when I get an email from somebody saying how this touched their lives like be grateful for that you know be grateful for that you can make this impact and and not just be constantly thinking about it so i just noticed that it was it was making me miserable you know and uh and and i realized that i can be paused to celebrate the win and still not lose the fact that i lose sight of the vision that i want to work towards but let me enjoy this this ride a little bit more you know and uh <laughs> and that so just when i kind of when it just get overwhelmingly hard and stressful and beat myself up too much is when i started to really recognize so again like pain is a strong driver for behavior change so having that registering that being aware of it and not just sort of riding your life out on autopilot but stepping outside of it for a second, being aware of it, then yep. saying, okay, what can I do with this? And that's what allowed me to, and having a lot of support. I think, uh, one of my close friends actually really, um, helped me ingrain the idea of this, the gratitude practice. I'd heard it plenty of times, but he sort of, sometimes it just clicks. That became almost like a spark moment for me to it put it into my nighttime ritual, you know, and feel it deeply. So. No, I think that's, that's brilliant. Um, you know, and that's, and that's something that's always been interesting to me. I mean, your insights and your spark moments don't always come from just reading books, right? They come from experiences, the people you yeah. talk to and your mentors. So, you know, what kind of like, you know, on your own business practices, influences, mentors, like what have been some of the biggest spark moments that have come to you and, and in what form did they come to you from? I mean, like you, you consume a lot of content, I assume, mm -hmm. um, for you to have so much insight. So like, where do you, if for someone who wants to start, developing this practice of having spark moments, you know, like, do you recommend any books, any, any mentors, influences? I mean, how do you, how do you sort of help someone get started? 
Sure. You know, partly is also like, what kind of person are you? Auditory, visual, what, what sits better with you, right? Like, dude, so for me, I'm very visual. So I love like watching videos to get it. I, just, I like to be in a place too. So like, I'll, like, I'll give you a spark moment in terms of my business was uh, I done work with the, I started doing, when I was kind of navigating myself out of those, those low moments, uh, battling my demons, I went to do work with Jack Canfield. He's the best-selling author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Nice. Amazing, amazing human being, someone I truly admire and respect. And when I was there, I asked him once, what would you do differently if you could go back in your career? And he said, I would have written my book sooner. So that became the moment that said to me, okay, you know, because I had already started this business in this sort of personal development industry. I was doing coaching and stuff. And I had a vision, maybe I'll write my book eventually. But that was, uh, for me, a spark moment that said, okay, it's time to get working on my book. I mean, it took a long time to, to work on it and ultimately get to where it is now. But that was the sort of a spark moment for me to say to let me write this book, you know, and uh, and and so having that outside mentor was great for me. So I think going to going to live events is great. You know, we that's where we we met, we met at Camp Maverick. That's where you meet people that inspire you. I mean, even at Camp Maverick was a huge spark moment for for me in in many ways. Is learning about uh, that kind of actually has has led me to a new the new problem in my life that I'm now working on to find the new awakening. So what I mean by that is, to, I don't know if this is sort of a side note a little bit, but is that any all growth is essentially two things. It's find what's working and do more of it and find with, find the problem, fix the problem. So there's always going to be problems in your life. There's all, and you actually should be because that's your struggle. Otherwise, if you're not finding a problem, there's not something you're working towards. So finding the, you know, find what's working, yeah. do more of it, find the problem, fi- fix the problem. So I'm always looking at those two elements and you, you can, you'll discover things like that when you surround yourself with those references, with those, those spark moments. So, you know, learning from ultra runners, here's what's working, do more of it. Right. And then I implement. So that's how I train accordingly. Same thing in business. Uh, find the problem, find takes the problem, find what's working, do more of it. So that I kind of, I feel like I might've gone on a tangent in the end there. But. No, 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 you're good. You're, you're absolutely good, man. This is, this is pure gold. So do you reflect? So do you have a process for reflection on, on where you're either capturing these spark moments or, you know, for me, for example, if I have some brilliant insight, I mean, I, my phone's usually the one thing on me. I just take yeah. it out, write a note down. I mean, how, so like, do you have a process for, for reflecting and looking back on your experiences and, and, and collecting spark moments when they wouldn't have been as aware in the moment? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, same thing, like if something triggers me, I'll keep my, I always have my phone on me, I'll write a little note. But at the end of the day, I also like will write down sort of a, a log for the day. Like what did I, what did I accomplish? Uh, what could I have done better? And now what I've started ingraining is again, the next stage of my own awakening. I've started journaling more in the real world. Like what I mean by that is I used to journal when I do something intense. So if I'm skiing across Greenland, then I would write a journal. If I was in Iraq, I'd write a journal. But now I want to do a little bit of journaling in, in the quote unquote normal world uh, because I find it to be very valuable <laughs> as well <laughs> registering your uh, <laughs> the no- normal world right so <laughs> oh man but- but yeah, journaling is a good way to process your 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 day. Your get kind of bring some sub, subconscious elements into the consciousness. And one one thing is just being be more still once in a while to actually notice what like what's there. We're always so busy, right? Like we're we're doing stuff. Where even if we're if we're not busy, like doing something productive, we're still we're on our phones. We're watching TV. We're listening to music. We're never just being still with what what's showing up here, you know. So like one practice I learned from this endurance cyclist friend of mine, which I think was pure gold, is what he used to do is he would stare, like sit there, stare into a wall, an empty wall. So no painting, obviously no TV, no music, so no stimuli whatsoever. And he would do it for then do that for 24 hours and then go riding for 24 hours. 
Now, I don't have like the bandwidth to stare at a wall for 24 hours. I think I'll drive myself insane, at least now. But I started doing it the first time I did it for 45 minutes. And it was very challenging because, again, you're shutting off everything. You're just, and unlike meditation where your eyes are closed and you're trying to anchor your thoughts into your breath, here you're not anchoring your thoughts in anything. You're just letting them go wild. Your eyes are open. You're just looking, essentially. And it's really beautiful because you'll see all kinds of stuff that shows up, you know? And when you allow yourself to be with yourself, stuff will show up that you might not realize because you're just, you've never really been with yourself. I don't think any of us really sit there. And I mean, you look, you travel. I mean, when I go straight to train in New York City, sometimes you'll see people on their phones with an iPad and iPod. I'm like, man, we're just constantly running away from ourselves, right? So giving yourself that space to truly be with yourself is a great way to register and anchor in stuff that shows up. Because ultimately, in terms of how memories are formed, when a memory is emotionally impactful, that that holds it into your memories. It implants itself into your implicit memory, your amygdala, and it stays deeper in in your consciousness. So I'm always looking at, okay, if, if there's an, this thing that is, you know, I want it to register, sometimes the emotion will be inherent. So I'll give you an example again, like watching the movie Hacksaw Ridge. War movies obviously are very emotional for me, but that movie was a huge spark moment for me in finding faith. I've been good about, I've always been pretty good at exercising my willpower, but that movie, the emotional impact it was, I mean, if I put on that scene today, that movie will make me cry. So again, emotionally, it's, it's powerful for you. When you have something emotional, it will register itself into your subconscious in a deeper, more meaningful way, which ultimately that's how memories are formed, which is why we remember more emotional and intense experiences. So actually either attaching emotion to a spark moment and uh, and or like you know create looking for spark moments that are inherently emotional to who you are i mean for me because obviously being a war veteran emotional more movies are more you know emotionally impactful no and that comes from reflection um which i think is brilliant and you know i i never used to be a big journaler and then uh, i picked up the habit you know a couple months back and i'm not looking back just because and and it doesn't have to be anything that it like you said it yourself, right? Your, your, some of your biggest spark moments come from memories ingrained in emotion. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started doing this thing where I would just journal about things that I remember being emotionally impactful for me. Yeah. If I didn't have anything in the present moment that I was reflecting on, I would go back and think about, oh, this is what I felt when this happened to me. Or, you know, when, when I had this big breakthrough, like this is how I felt, you know, how yeah. do I cultivate this? And, and, Journaling has been huge. Uh, just out of curiosity, do you do you meditate? I do. So meditate was in that morning ritual. Uh, um, is I do I do about like 12, 12 to fifteen minutes a day. I used to do it at night, but I like I'm kind of recently been creating a new new um, night ritual as a result of some of these new experiences that I'm discovering. Like as I mentioned, partly in Camp Maverick, having these right. new awakenings. I'm happy to share what they are. I'm not trying to be vague about it, but uh, but so as a result, I'm kind of tweaking my night ritual a little bit. What are your awakenings now that you now that you said that? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like one recent thing that I've discovered is that like at Camp Maverick, you know, I saw all these people like yourself who are very successful, but they were out there having fun. You know, we were playing games and I noticed that I wasn't like, I wouldn't, wouldn't play any of the games. Even at night, like I would often then go to bed early and then go for my morning run. And I kind of discovered that although I've been really good now is that I still feel like I can't have fun. Like I feel like I might don't deserve to have fun. One thing I've struggled with for a while is survivor's guilt from the war. I lost a close friend of mine and I had gotten really good about turning. So that guilt once drove me into very dark places, but now it's been very good in terms of channeling me to be focused, to be, you know, to draw into, into this path that I want to focus on. So for example, I have a poster up on my wall of my friend and me, and it says, this should have been you earn this life. 
And I see that first thing when I wake up, it's on the front of my training journal. That is so powerful. As you can imagine, it's intense, right? But the guilt is, again, clearly a very strong emotion, right? Like that's an emotionally compelling thing. It drives me, it stays focused. That now it's up to me to honor his life and not waste this life by, you know, binging, binge drinking five pounds of vodka and stuff like that for days on end. However, recently, and this, as I said, very recently, almost like in this last month or two, and I'm still kind of navigating this a little bit. I've been too busy with the book launch to really deep process it, but I'm like kind of getting there, is that in some ways I might have gone too far and the yield still feels like I don't, I'm not allowed to have fun. I don't feel like I deserve to have fun. And, um, and that's why even I came out, I didn't play any of the games. We were there. Uh, it was like, you know, I'll go take my nap and then I'll go running or something like that. Like I have to be constantly. And, um, you know, and so that's been interesting to me to kind of figure out that part of me, that part of me and, and realizing that now, okay, maybe this will be the next stage of my awakening is, and we've talked a little bit about how I used to be this person that beat themselves up anyway. So kind of finding more joy in the moment to moment experience of life, but also bringing more play and just, you know, being willing to go out there and play and do silly things and whatever. And uh, so kind of navigating that a little bit right now is that, you know, I've gone from one extreme to the, to the next with my guilt and maybe bringing it a little bit back to to allow myself to enjoy the enjoy the journey a little bit more i think that you know and and you brought up a really important point and i want to touch on i think that you've you're brilliant at like honestly like every every story you've mentioned right now is is you going from one extreme to the other and and you've experienced all the extremes Mm -hmm. and you know in this specific experience of, of you using guilt as a powerful motivator to achieve um i could argue that you could use guilt as a powerful motivator to live and to live doesn't always mean to achieve, right? To live could mean to, you know, enjoy time with your family or to spend, you know, like whatever that may mean to create experiences. I mean, experiences necessarily don't have to be rooted in success. They can be rooted in joy. They can be rooted in, in, in a lot of different emotions that sort of, encompass that array or that rainbow that we call life right yeah so i i think that i mean my gosh like actually you're you've got such brilliant insight into just how no man i'm serious like thank you i i can't wait for your book to come out just because it's so powerful the the concepts you're explaining are so powerful and i think a lot of our listeners are really going to 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 mirror their own lives i mean myself i'm just learning so much about this and so like I want to I want to segue into a a a concept about doing everything you're doing. It sounds like you've got some powerful motivators that are pushing you. How do you remember all of that? Like is there a daily practice that you follow to remember what your goals are or remember what motivates you or to not fall back into those deep dark places that probably still aren't that far off from where you were. Oh, yeah. I experience low moments all the time. Absolutely. The demons are very much present. I don't think you ever, I think if you defeat one demon, a new one will show its head, right? So it's all, they're always present. Uh, but yeah, so I do have, you know, I'm always very present. Okay, what is my next goal? What are, so I'm breaking down, okay, the year goal, the, the month goal, the week goal, the day goal, you know, like the top five steps in terms of that, like, okay, where, where, where what, what do I have to direct my action steps to? So I have another app, you know, that again, again, I use my, this is why I love the Android over iPhone, not to get into a whole battle about that, but <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like I like having the widgets on my screen. So I don't know if you can see, but the widgets yeah. allow you to access it rapidly. So then I'll say, okay, today here's what I got to do. You know, so again, you're removing thinking from the process. If I do have to think, what do I? You know, because entrepreneurship that challenge is always there, right? Okay, what do I? You can easily just 
kick your feet up today and you know what not the end of the world right like i can just sit down and watch tv the rest of the day it's not the end of the world but i have a clear action steps on what to do and uh, in terms of like actually like having things to how do i stay present to what what inspires me i actually have another list on this to do list. i'm actually going to pull it up the list is called um empowering the subconscious <laughs> it's literally that's the name of my list and i have different okay. things on there for like different people so i have the iron cowboy dean carnassus killian jornet gary vaynerchuk so i look at okay let's say i need to be inspired and i don't remember i'm a little confused you know i'm in the midst of a low let me go to my list called empowering the subconscious find one of these people depending on where i'm at if i need to, you know and i i know all these people so i can kind of say okay if i look at this list this is where i want to go right now to to tap into a source of inspiration to bring it back up, you know, like uh, to, to, to maybe rise out of the demons and um, and get to channel it into something meaningful. Sometimes it's as simple as pausing and just really being present to the emotion and and just like sometimes I'll meditate. Like I, for example, I struggle with sometimes it's as, as, as crazy as this may be, but you know, because I've done a lot of intense and scary things in my life, just sitting alone in my house because my wife's currently in India. And although I do have some family right now, but when they're not, it's just me alone in the house. I'll feel like fear and anxiety. And I used to sort of not follow my own wisdom and judge the emotion, right? Like what's wrong with you? Stop, you know, well, stop being a baby. Why are you scared? You're... But now I've learned to stop judging wherever it shows up. It's okay. Just being fully present with it, allowing myself to sit with it. Sometimes it can be a matter of, okay, I want to channel and seek outside things to kind of inspire me. Sometimes it's a matter of pausing to just, I want to meditate on this. And that's, and that, that is a little bit fluid. So I have these systems, right. To guide me, but obviously I think there's room for fluidity to say, what are you feeling in the present moment that you need? Does that make sense? So I have a kind of find the balance between that and, and what I just really need in the, in the moment when I, when I'm feeling X or whatever it may be. I think that's brilliant. I didn't even think about the concept of using systems for emotional health. Um, oh man, this is a, been a, another game changer, for, but yeah, sorry. Just, uh, <laughs> no, 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 continue on, please. Yeah. <laughs> another game changer for me is actually being proactive about the kind of emotions I want to experience. Because another thing, when I came back from the war, I used to be somewhat emotionally dead to a certain extent, you know, and uh, just numbed, numbed a little bit. And again, navigating those lows and highs. Now, like, I, again, I had stopped watching war movies, right? And uh, before they used to drive me to drink. But now I actually watch all these war movie scenes. As I said, there's, on the YouTube, you can watch this one particular clip from the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Makes me cry almost every time I watch it. But I'm consciously doing that at the right time. And I'm navigating a new area of how I do this and where I do this in, in the context of my most recent awakening of having fun because sometimes I'm realizing I can push myself too far with that. But the point is that you consciously engage in emotion you want to experience. And music is great for this, man. Like I have songs that will trigger any emotion I want to experience. If I want to be like in a silly, joyful mood, you know, I'll, I can go to my Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, right? I got that in my, in my arsenal. I want, to get, <laughs> I want to get angry. I have music to get me angry and fired up. So being very conscious and proactive about how, you, how and where and when you want to experience emotions has been a game changer because it allows you to and i think when you experience the intensity of emotions in such a deep way it allows you to like really uh, be more present to life in general but also then say how do i it's like kind of emotional intelligence you know when when life so when an external factor happens and i feel x emotion i can be better at processing that emotion instead of reacting to it you know what i mean because mm, now i'm so yep. used to engaging all of these emotions i know what to do when they show up i know how to respond to them so for somebody who for somebody who hasn't practiced that 
what are some steps you would suggest for them to get on this path of being more aware of what their emotions are saying and and what steps or systems they can put in their own lives to counteract or get yeah. back on on in in their happy place or whatever or even, I don't even know if happy space is the right word, but just in a place where they they feel better and productive. Sure, sure. So one thing is, you know, is as I was, sometimes I recommend this activity to people I work with is just set a timer on your phone for beep every hour and just pause and label your emotions. Because the big thing is we're not actually fully present to our emotions. We just go about our day and we don't actually know what we're experiencing. And studies have also shown when you label an emotion, it reduces activity in the emotional parts of your brain and increases activity in the parts of your brain related to focus and awareness. So you can actually do something with that emotion. So so pausing to notice your emotions is a good place to start and noticing what emotions do you consistently experience more than others, right? Like I notice myself, I'll experience anxiety a, a good bit actually, you know, so the starting, starting to actually first notice what shows up and then getting more proactive about creating X emotion, right? So then you can start wherever you are. I mean, for me, obviously I, it's for me, war movies trigger that, that kind of emotion. Uh, I have songs, mu- music is such a good, again, I mentioned it again, it's such a good anchor to, to create emotions. Movies are also very powerful. I can watch a sad movie that I know will make me cry, a happy movie to make me laugh. Like I love Will Ferrell. If I want to feel joy or dopamine, you know, or watching the Louis CK. So figuring out, depending on what all your references that have brought you to where you are today is writing down, like getting clear. As I said, I've, I've written, I write down a list of saying, you know, the, what, what, uh, put a list on your phone or anywhere and, and say, this will, this will trigger this emotion, but whatever shows up, the point is also, is you don't want to judge your emotions. They are, this is a huge, huge thing is that we yep, have, yep. we ha- live in a world that tells us there's bad emotions and there's good emotions, right? Like fear, stress, anxiety, guilt are negative emotions, but that is completely untrue. Like every emotion can be good or bad depending on what you decide to do with it. So the point is that it's up to you to decide that. And when you stop judging your emotions, then you give yourself the space to decide that. And that's what fearvana is a big thing about is that combating this idea that we should be fearless, you know, or don't be scared. It's okay to be scared. Whenever you do anything, however it shows up, the question is, what are you going to do with that fear? So letting go of your judgments so you have of your emotions will also allow you to be more present to experience them because they all have value. I mean, I like to experience sadness from time to time, like watch a, warm, watch a movie that makes me cry because when I experience the intensity of the lows, it only makes the intensity of the highs that much better, you know? So yep. every emotion has value, every emotion. It's up to you to which ones you want to experience a little bit more. That's, and that's kind of personal preference, you know? Not everybody's going to want to watch a war movie that makes them cry on a near day, day-to-day basis, which I get that. <laughs> so that's up to you to kind of figure out uh, through some process of experimentations. But those are the practices you can take on and do so. I, I just love how aware you are of, of how your emotions play a daily role in, in your in your happiness, your productivity, your inspiration. I mean, it's it just seems it's it's inspiring, really. I mean, I'm I'm definitely inspired to to implement a lot of the stuff that that you're talking about right now, in a way that I can. Yeah, man. I, and I, I I know that our listeners are probably feeling the same way. Um, I want to really bring back to your to your book. I'm so excited to read your book. Uh, for everybody listening, I was going to save this until the end, but I can't keep it in anymore. The, <laughs> the Dalai Lama has reviewed Akshay's book and has said some amazing things. I will let you go read the review itself, but this book has the power to change a lot of people's lives. And I am beyond blessed and thrilled to be chatting with you about this, Akshay. 
Um, Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. No, it was, it was obviously just a huge honor and very humbling to get a forward from the Dalai Lama. That was very cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. How did, just out of curiosity, how did that conversation go? Sure. Actually, so I, haven't, I didn't communicate directly with him. It was, um, it was, I mean, it took about four months of healthy persistence. It, uh, initially, it was I, I reached out to the, the email on his website, which kind of got me nowhere. I did a bunch of research, found one point of contact in the office there. I shot a personal video for His Holiness, sharing my story, what we're doing with Fearvana, how it came to be, how we're, you know, we're giving away all the proceeds in the book to charity as well. So really share that we're trying to make a meaningful impact with it. Then this one monk in the, in the monastery there connected me to another person, to another person. Three people later, we're now connecting and we're just, so we kind of built a relationship with them via email, just connected back and forth, uh, really, you know, shared again, was very authentic about my struggles and everything I'm doing and, and the genuine desire to serve. And after about like four months, he wrote me back saying, you know, considering everything you've been through and your genuine desire to make an impact with this, I will press your case. And when he said, I'll press your case, two weeks later, I got this like beautiful letter in the mail with his holiness's signature and the oh. seal. Uh, we like framing it and putting it up in the house, of course. And, yeah, I and I did, and the cool thing is, I didn't even ask for a forward. I literally just wanted like a one-liner to kind of as a blurb, and I ended up getting a forward, which was tremendous. <laughs> yeah, I I can't imagine. And and again, that goes back to just you as an individual. I mean, the persistence, four months of uh, pursuing it, and then I'm I'm absolutely <laughs> just thrilled for you. I can't imagine what that experience was like. Yeah, um, one sort of big takeaway for anyone listening there is. Believe me, in those four months, I went through enough moments in my mind saying they're probably not interested anymore. Why would they care? They probably didn't like the book. So the point is, allow yourself to experience all those. It's not like I was just, you know, pleasantly persisting, thinking that this is. Yeah. <laughs> I went through all that stuff that they probably think my book is garbage. And when I'm not hearing back in a week or two later, so it's okay to feel all that. But just remember, a lot of that stuff is just your own stuff in your head. And we all do that mind reading from time to time, right? Like what that other person might be thinking about me. But when you pa- pause and notice it, be aware of it, you can recognize that that's just stuff in my head. I'm going to be with it. It's okay if it shows up. But again, there's nothing wrong if it shows up, but then I can channel it back in. So no, like that's just sort of, a, I think that's a valuable thing that I experienced during that process was, you know, letting go, letting, letting go of that whole self-talk and being, being okay with it when it shows up. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's brilliant advice. And truly, uh, I love everything that you stand for. And I feel very honored for you to be spending your time with us um, and, and sharing everything sure. that... And so I wanted to kind of wrap it up with, with one final question. Um, you know, in the midst of all your successes and achievements, how do you stay grounded on a daily basis? I think, you know, uh, remembering what it's all about. Uh, so I get caught up into the day-to-day grind like the rest of us do from time to time. But remembering that it's about the impact. When you focus on that, and actually, I mean, sort of on a neurological level, when you think about service, it actually releases oxytocin in your brain. Oxytocin is the love hormone. And that allows you to actually move through fear. They've done plenty of studies to show it doesn't eliminate fear. That's why I say move through it, but it allows you to move through your fears, your stressors, your anxiety into action, into something meaningful. So staying present to that, what, what this is really about, you know? So when I get an email from somebody saying they heard me on a podcast and how it touched their lives, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I, you know, like it almost like I'll forget that and realize I need, okay, I need to sell books. But then pausing to realize that's a human being who heard me. That's a life you are touching. Like that's a beautiful thing to be able to have that, to be able to like, to be able to make that impact, you know? So one of the, one of the little techniques to this very tangible technique that I do, there's, there's a small scene. It's like a minute and a half clip on YouTube from the movie Black Hawk Down. 
right, right at the end of the movie where he says um, they, they're talking, they've just come back from the battle. And he says to him, you know, is that he's, this guy's going back out to save. And he said, there's still men out there. And he says, you know, when I go back home, people ask me, why do you do this? Are you some kind of war junkie? And he says, they won't get it back home, but all the, all, it's about the men next to you. That's all it is. And watching that clip reminds me, in fact, I do that before every speech uh, is I watch this clip and I'll say it's about the men next to you. So I'll, I'll remind myself that, and obviously men and women in the context of the war, it was just, but you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the point is that it's about the people you serve. And that helps me. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I sometimes I forget about that maybe on a day, you know, daily, but more often than not, when I do that, it steps outside of the grind and reminds myself that this is why, this is why I'm here. This is why it's, uh, this is what, this is what everything I'm doing is all about. And I think when you come from a place of service, it, it's, uh, gives life meaning, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it gives, uh, gives life purpose and meaning. So absolutely. Oh my gosh. That was, like I said, actually, every single thing you've shared on and, and, and the last uh, 40, 45 minutes have been just pure gold, man. And um, and so I wanted to, to wrap this up again. Thank you so much, actually, for being here. My pleasure. Um, if, if any of our um, our listeners had questions or if they wanted to reach out to you and, 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 and maybe ask some clarifying questions about anything you've shared on the podcast, do you have any contact information or, or, sure. or anything that you'd, you'd be willing to share? Yeah, uh, Akshay at Firvana.com is my email. Uh, Firvana.com also you can contact. That's where also you can pick up the book. Uh, but I definitely intend to be one of those authors that's reachable and accessible, and I respond to all my emails. So feel free to to shoot any questions in response to this, the book, anything at all, and I'm here to serve. So. Brilliant. And uh, like I said, everybody, uh, you know this book is... Uh, I, I, I haven't read it yet, and I cannot <laughs> wait to. Um, so... Like I said, uh, definitely pick it up. Uh, I believe, Akshay, you're doing a, uh, you're giving the book away for free. Yes, as, as of right now, we're giving away the book for free. Uh, just to ask you to cover the shipping costs. But yeah, the book, the book is free for right now, and then eventually it'll go back to retail. At which point, the profits will go to charity uh, at that point as well. So perfect. Right now, right now it's so free. it's it's a win-win. It's <laughs> win-win a win-win all around. Exactly. I like it. I like <laughs> it. All right, uh, Akshay, again, uh, brother, thank you so much for thank making you. the time thank and. You. And I hope everybody on the show found this incredible interview helpful. And, um, you know, so that's it for the Stay Grounded podcast. My name is Raj, your host. And as always, uh, stay grounded. Till next time, guys. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Stay Grounded podcast brought to you by Java Press Coffee Company. My name is Raj, and I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to make daily happiness a priority. If you're interested in learning more about how your morning coffee can turn into a consistent source of joy in your life, visit www.javapress.com to learn how our products can help you do that and use the coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your purchase. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.